Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this, uh, my brother, Lord, your beloved child. Lord, who you made and you formed and whom you have gifted. Lord, we thank you for the anointing that you have given him to open up your word of healing and indeed be that conduit of your healing grace. So, Lord, we ask a blessing on this time of ministry um, as he does share your heart um, and your healing grace with your children, Lord, all of these, each and every one you have made, you have knit together in their mother's womb, none an accident, all placed together in your loving care and brought forth in that same loving care. Lord, you count the hairs on each one's head. You know us through and through, uh, our standing, our sitting, our going out, our coming in, our words, our thoughts before they're even formed into words, Lord Jesus. So we give this time to you. Indeed, come, Holy Spirit, fill these hearts, these places. Amen. Good afternoon. No, no, no. Good afternoon. Well done. <laughs> so wonderful. I travel around America. So nice to understand the rector. My, my father was ordained in the church that Sarah used to worship in. It's a small world. I'd hate to paint it. Do you turn to page 244 in the Book of Common Prayer, please? And that's the little black book with a cross on it for those of you who aren't Episcopalians. 244. <coughs> this is the <coughs> collect for St. Luke. It's the bottom of the page. Shall we say that together? With feeling. Okay? If you don't do it with feeling, we'll do it again. <laughs> I was a drill instructor. You have to remember these things. <laughs> Saying together, Almighty God, who inspired your servant Luke the physician to set forth in the gospel the love and healing power of your son, graciously continue in your church this love and power to heal to the praise and the glory of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And Father God, we invite the Holy Spirit into this house, your house, into our minds, into our souls, into our very being, in every cell of the billions of cells in our body. We invite the Holy Spirit to reside within us, even those cells that are sick, even the sin-sick soul, the broken heart, the broken mind, the fear, the anxiety, all the concerns that break us. But Lord, you remake us. And as we realize the words of St. Luke, the physician, he was a doctor at Jesus' time. He was on the Lord's team to set forth the gospel of love and healing power of your Son, 
Listen to these words. Graciously continue in your church this love and power to heal. And Lord, that's where I hang my hat. That's where I stand, trusting God. For surely the Lord is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the great physician and the lover of souls. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Would you mind holding that for a moment? Thank you. That's long enough. No, no. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. I really am. And thank you, Sarah, for a wonderful dinner last night. I do have to confess, I had English fish and chips. And they're not sitting well. I need healing. <laughs> if you see me disappearing very quickly in that direction, just pray for me, okay? Sarah, you can jump in and read my notes. Um, British people say brilliant a lot, you know. And we don't just say... <laughs> We don't just say God's brilliant. Yes, he's brilliant. We say God is brilliant. Okay. All right. So I want you to put up your hands like this. All right. And say together God is brilliant. That wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. I know you could make more noise than that. Let's try again. God is brilliant. Whoa. Now that side was louder than this side. Let's see what you can do this time. Ready? God is brilliant. Whoa. Hey. I can go home now. You guys have got it. This is lovely. Well done. Even the lady there with a the bad wrist. You were really... Ah, he must be healing your wrist. Yeah. Wait a minute. That's the right hand, isn't it? Did you punch someone out? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> He's still in hospital. Uh, well, I want to show you the, um, the secret handshake of the healing ministry. Some of you might know it. Some of you might not. Have we met before? We have, but I'm going to, yes. Come here, stand up. Thank you very much. Come over here, come over here. This is the secret handshake. Okay, it goes like this. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Yeah. And when you do that, you just have to lift up your whole body. Lift up, lift up. There we go. Okay. Would you turn to your neighbor and shake hands in such a fashion? You like that? Do you want to give it again? Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well done. Yeah. Okay, okay. Settle down. Settle down. I'm just seeing that guy up there with Jesus with a, with a crook. You know, so. Well done. I just want to say, say also that there's a couple in here who I met, gosh, at least 20 years ago, who totally changed my life. I didn't know they were going to come today. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I leak out of my eyes. Do you find that your eyes sort of leak now and again? I had no idea they were going to be here. And I looked and I was like, <laughs> just choked up. This man and woman, my dear friends, um, Bishop Dave Benno and his wife, uh, Mary Ellen, thank you for being here. We love you guys. And thank you for changing my life, both of you. Good man. Bless you, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This couple were with me when I was very sick, very, very sick, as the doctor said, and were there when God changed my life completely to really know that I was being called to be a priest and to be called to this minister. And I really want to thank you for changing my life in so many ways. And Bishop Dave and Mary Ellen have helped me uh, an awful lot with the Welcome Home Initiative. In fact, Dave Benner, myself, and Noel Dawes um, all former military uh, have been working with the combat vets for, gosh, 10 years probably, somewhere around there. We've done 
28 to 27 uh, retreats for veterans to help them. And this, this talk I'm giving today is, is around that area of healing memories because veterans have horrific memories. We all have horrific memories and I'm going to be talking about that in a moment. I want to thank Meryl, sorry, Mary, Daryl, and Krista for running a really good BBLSNS. <laughs> you don't know what a BBLSNS is, do you? A BBLSNS is a bed, breakfast, lunch, snacks, and supper. So thank you very much indeed. <laughs> really appreciate that. Thank you. I just wanted to say if Moses had one of these, if this was a tablet that Moses had, we would be in trouble, wouldn't we? We wouldn't have had 10 commandments. We would have had 10 gigabytes of commandments and we'd be like in a lot of trouble. So. so this is really an introduction to healing of memories or inner healing as Agnes Sanford coined the phrase. To know that Christ can heal us physically, emotionally, mentally, generationally, in every area of our lives is so important to know that. that we, anybody guilty of limiting God? Have you limited God? We all have, haven't we? I have two words for you. Stop it. Okay? Don't limit God anymore because he can do whatever he wants. And we've got to start thinking a different way when it comes to healing. And the beauty of inner healing and healing of memories is that God can take those memories captive. And I'll explain that in a moment. So a short reading from 1 Thessalonians 3.6. I have to say Thessalonians very carefully because I have a slight lisp. And it can come out of Thessalonians very easily. And then I'm in trouble for the rest of the day. But, uh, so 1 Thessalonians 3.6 But Timothy has just come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. That's a love letter, isn't it? Pleasant memories. We've all got pleasant memories and some of us sadly have unpleasant memories. And that's the bit we're looking at this afternoon. And from Corinthians 10, chapter, verses 1 through 5, beautiful words. And then we use this for the Welcome Home Initiative for Combat Veterans. This is where we hang our hat biblically. Listen to this. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. You see, in his writing, he was very bold, but face to face, we know that he was very timid. He might have had a speech impediment. We don't quite know why that was. I'm sure he couldn't say Thessalonians either, but <laughs> that was just a revelation from God. Um, <laughs> Verse 2, I beg that when I come I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Verse 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I would argue that people have strongholds over us. And I'll explain that in a moment. And here is the key verse. This is what I want you to really focus on. Remember this, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
2 Corinthians 10.5 2 Corinthians 10.5 Say that with me 2 Corinthians 10.5 If you're writing notes, write that down This is very important Think about taking captive a thought that hurts you Okay So, I ask you Are any of you wallowing in issues of the past? Just me? No, just a couple of people Come on, be honest Anybody wallowing in the... Yeah, thank you very much, most of you Yeah is your focus on the past rather than your present? Are you stuck in a rut? Does your blood need to be cooled from the anger of the past? Are you taking a mud bath? Okay. Now there's a lovely song called the Hippopotamus Song. Do you remember the Hippopotamus Song? Vaguely, yes. I can't remember who sang it, but some English chaps designed this song. And I'm going to sing it to you, and then you're going to sing it with me. Okay. It goes like this. Mud, mud. Glorious mud, nothing quite like it for cooling the blood. So follow me, follow, down to the hollow, and there let us wallow in glorious mud. Mud, glorious mud, nothing quite like it for cooling the blood. So follow me, follow, down to the hollow, and there let us wallow in glorious mud, mud, glorious mud. Well done. That was very good. Give yourselves a round of applause. Now you may be thinking, why on earth is Mumford talking about mud? Well, it's biblical. This Lent we need to turn, we need to repent, we need to be set free. Does a perpetrator still have power over you? I'm not going to ask the congregation because I know most of us do. We allow people to ruin our lives. I have two words for you. Well done, well done. They're quick learners, Sarah. So don't go back to your old habits. Of them the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. Yuck. Isn't that nasty? Can you say nasty? (laughs) Thank you very much, thank you. In England it's nasty, you see, yes. You think of Carson. Anybody watch uh, Downton Abbey? Yes, yes, yes. Hello, my name's Carson. Yes, Yes, it's nasty, Mr. Carson. Um, But here's the one, 2 Peter 2.22. A sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. And it's habitual. What is your default? Is your default one of negativity? Is it one of going to that place where that person hurt me and I'm never going to forgive that person and I'm going to live my life with rage and fury and anger and bitterness? Or am I going to say, goodbye, I'm going to get on with my life? Yeah? Think about that. Who has power over your life to ruin your life? Matthew 28, and I surely am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you always. I want you to remember that. I'm always with you. He will never leave you or set you free. I am with you always. This is the key to inner healing. So what I'm going to talk about right now is the key to setting the captives free. Jesus came to set the captive free. The argument, if you're captive to somebody who's held you captive and it's time to be set free, this is the time. Yeah? So this healing of memory stuff can be a really huge issue and can actually be the key to your healing in so many ways, both physically and emotionally. 
You know when you have a pain in the neck? When everybody, anybody presents with a pain in the neck, I always ask, who is the pain in the neck in your life? Oh, we pray for that person. That person stops having power over you and the neck, get back, the neck gets better. There's another part of the anatomy, but we won't go into that today. Or shall we? No, no, we won't, no. <laughs> so I found the details of the following story really fascinating. You see, we're not reinventing the wheel. You've got to remember that. This isn't something new. The healing ministry isn't something new. Ooh, look at that. Look what we're doing. This has been done for thousands of years. This goes back to the Old Testament of King Hezekiah. I've seen your tears. I've heard your prayers. I will heal you. This is nothing new. And we need to be reminded over and over and over again. Healing of memories. Listen to this. In John 21:15, Jesus sets the scene. Peter and probably others were having breakfast. No doubt cooking their breakfast over the fire. Jesus had a Zippo lighter. No, not really. But he lit a fire and he's cooking fish, isn't he? Probably others were having breakfast, no doubt cooking their breakfast over the fire. Peter was in the courtyard warming his hands over the fire at another situation. And then we hear the threefold question, do you love, do you love me? And we hear Peter's threefold denial, I don't know him. Peter must have been made to see what happened and look at it. Later, Jesus takes Peter back to that place of bad memories. You see, this is inner healing right here. Peter denies Jesus thrice and here he is coming back to that memory he transforms that memory with acceptance and love our petitioner sees he is loved and set free is set free from the memory because Jesus asked three times what does he say do you love me yes do you love me even though he denied him three times isn't that beautiful you look at that healing concept here's Peter feeling what, what emotions would Peter have felt? Shame? Guilt? Fear? Yep, yeah. Shame? Yes, absolutely. All of the above. He would have felt horrible, wouldn't he? You know? And here is the love of Jesus Christ saying the three words three times. Do you love me? I get it. Thank you, Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times, but Jesus said, I love you. Do you love me? Three times. Setting that right. All is forgiven. And then he finishes off by saying what? Feed my sheep. Brilliant. Give yourselves a brilliant. Ready? That was pathetic. Let's do it again. Pay attention. Pay attention. Ready? There you go. Well done. So, going back to 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 10. Paul his defense of his ministry. I love Paul. I don't know about you. He's an amazing guy. You know, his story is fascinating, isn't it? How he denies Christ, you know, and how he you know, comes to Jesus. And then he becomes the grandfather of the church. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. So he's, he's appealing. He says, I want you to understand my heart. I want to be totally transparent. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. Verse 4, the weapons we fight are not with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I would put it to you, what stronghold in your life is preventing you from living? What border, what barrier, what issue is preventing you of living? I have to share with you that some years ago, 
probably 10, my friend Francis McNutt and I had a great conversation. I was about to talk to a thousand teenagers in Boston. I was freaking out. I was really freaking out. I heard very bad stories of this particular college. I won't mention the name, Gordon Cromwell. Um, <laughs> and I'd heard that they were quite naughty kids, and I was quite worried. And I spoke about the Marines. I spoke about the ballet, because my sister was a ballet dancer, and I had them eating out of my hand. It was beautiful. But before going, Francis laughed. I said, Francis, I'm really worried. He laughed. He thought it was hysterical. This is not funny, Francis. I'm really worried that I have to talk to all these teenagers. And I kept complaining and he kept laughing. And he said, Nigel, shut up. <laughs> okay, Francis, I'll shut up. He said, I have two words for you. No, it wasn't stop it. <laughs> well done for paying attention. I set you up for that one. He said, he said, have fun. If there's nothing you learn today, tomorrow, the next day, have fun. Not at the expense of other people, but have joy in your hearts. Don't be walking around like a miserable Christian. You know, we don't have to suck on a lemon to be a Christian, do we? I love doing this. I want you to imagine you're sucking on a lemon right now. Make the face. Come on, that's a good one. That's a good one too. Let me see a few good faces. Come on, make the face. Angel lady, make the face. Yeah, there we go. That's great. Oh, yeah. We don't have to suck on a lemon to be a Christian. Have fun. Are people judging us because we're walking around like this? Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Stop your boo-hooing. Okay? Have fun in Jesus. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Here's a question. Anybody know the next verse? Philippians 4.14. Bishop, do you know that one? <laughs> Thank you, you've kept my record in, in perfect tact. I have to say, I have been asking that question for 25 years. On one occasion, I was in a Catholic church. I've spoken in four Catholic churches. The second to last Catholic church, a woman said, yes, I know it. And I was like, oh, brilliant. But she happened to have the Bible open at that very verse. Philippians 13, 4.13 4, says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ. It's on our watches, it's on our t-shirts, it's on face towels. It's everywhere if you go into a Christian bookstore. But the next verse is extraordinary. So, anyway, moving right along. No, I'll share it with you. <laughs> the next verse is, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Share that with me. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Here is Paul, the grandfather of the church. We know that he has some issues with public speaking. We know he's a terrific writer, writing to the Thessalonians and the Corinthians and everybody else. Yeah, brilliant writer, but, but he's not an orator. But he is saying, the grandfather of the church, I can do everything through Jesus Christ, yet it was good of you to share with my troubles, in my troubles. And that's what the healing ministry is about. I think we need to get back to that basic, to think about that. What does that mean? Even the grandfather of the church needed help. We need one another. I do a program called Healing the Shepherds. It breaks my heart to hear how clergy are abused and hurt. Please be nice to your clergy people. Please. Buy them a, 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 a gift card from Starbucks. Buy her a gift card from some nice Panera bread or something. 
do something nice, say thank you. I tell you what breaks a, 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 a preacher. We give our heart for the week preparing a sermon and one person is going to say that was rubbish and we are broken for the rest of the week. And it's so difficult to get back up in that pulpit. It is really difficult because we judge one another. I have two words for you. Stop it! Be kind! When I woke up out of the coma six years ago, the first thing I said to my wife, one breath, one word, I love you through the trach. I'd been in a coma for three weeks. All I could move was my right index finger. Nothing else moved. I was paralyzed. I love you. And then I said, with great passion, I don't remember this bit. I remember saying I love you because the nurse burst into tears. I remember that. I'm into tears. It's good to cry. Gentlemen, if you're not going to cry this, this weekend, I'm going to punch you in the gut. Right? <laughs> the next thing I said after I love you, I said to my wife, apparently, with great passion, I only want kind people in my life. I'm not interested in unkind people anymore. I'm sick of unkind people. It's a great revelation, being in a coma for three weeks. I'm just not interested in unkind people. Walk away. Walk away. No is a complete sentence. I don't know why that always gets a laugh. <laughs> why do you laugh on that? But it is, isn't it? No. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. So, in this talk I'm referring to the battlefields of war in the household, in the battlefields abroad, the battlefield in the bedroom, the battlefield in the living room, the battlefield in the office, the strongholds and the battlefields of military combat. How we all suffer from something unkind with the most powerful weapon in the world, which is the tongue, which hurts. Sticks and stones won't break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words hurt even more, don't they? You know, I'm disappointed in you. I try not to look at people when I say that because that really gets to the core, isn't it? You can rant and rage, but when you say to somebody, I'm very disappointed, oh, that hurts, doesn't it? You know? I know I'm ripping band-aids off, I know that. Um, but we're here to remove the band-aid and realize that under the band-aid, there is no uh, scar tissue. Okay. By the way, I'm very impressed. Sarah didn't say, turn off your cell phones. And so far, we haven't had a single cell phone ring. But I do need to warn you, if your phone goes off, you will be commanded to write a cheque to my favourite charity. <laughs> it starts at $25 and will increase in $25 increments and max out at $5,000. So turn off your cell phones, please. So, again, here's the key. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought. Here's something to think about. How do you take captive a thought? Are we stuck in a habitual place of going back to that default? Is that person got so much power over us? My default is this. A place of negativity. A place of great grief and great pain. Great shame. Great misconduct. Great distrust. I put it to you. Think about God. Control, alt, delete. Yeah? Just do that. Imagine you're doing Control-Alt-Delete. Just go ahead, put two fingers here and one over here. Come on, see your keyboard. All right, Control-Alt-Delete. That's what we're doing today. 
getting rid of the worms in the brain. Anybody got worms? <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, sorry, English humour. I'm sure you're used to it. Um, you know, and, and getting out the, the, the viruses of the brain. Getting out the viruses of the brain. Demolishing those arguments. So we know that healing comes in many forms. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, generational. Healing of memories, inner healing, ad nauseum. There are many areas that we need to be healed. We think of the rough diamond of the human being. It's not Mrs. Smith in bed number six with cancer. It's everything about Mrs. Smith. It's everything about you. Who has power over your life? It was Agnes Sanford who first coined the phrase inner healing. She wrote a lovely book called Sealed Orders. Anybody read Sealed Orders? I read that 20 years ago. It's a wonderful book, isn't it? If you haven't read Sealed Orders, I highly recommend you read Sealed Orders. S-E-A-L-E-D, Orders. As a Marine, the title of that caught my eye a lot. She talks about her near-death experience and that uh, she's been given um, a gift. She believes that people with near-death experiences um, have gifts of healing. I've had 13 I'd love to talk with her, I really would. Uh, Her first book, The Healing Light, is a wonderful story about the healing ministry. Both my mentors, Francis McNutt and Canon Jim Glennon, were taught by Agnes Sanford, so I feel a great connection with her, even though I never met her. So, we demolish arguments. I keep going back to that verse because I want you to hear it. I want you to shove it in. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do we do that? Okay, how do we do that? Well, we take captive that thought. The Bible says what? Seek ye first. Brilliant. Okay, so when a negative thought comes in, a negative thought comes in, what we're doing, we're going down a, a, a side road. We're going down a trail, a bunny trail. We're getting away from seeking first the kingdom of God. So if we're looking forward right now, if we're looking at Christ, if we're looking at the cross, keep your eyes on the cross, keep your eyes on Christ, and imagine in your life you've gone down a bunny trail. Okay? You can go down that road as long as you like, but when you realize you've gone down that bunny trail, stop. Stop, and then back up. Do not beat yourself up. Okay? This is habitual thinking. You might have been hurt 30 years ago. You have 30 years of habitual thinking to be healed. But here's the good news. It only takes 21 days to create a new habit. That's all. If you're smoking, I have two words for you. Stop it! Please don't smoke. <clears throat> I've, my lungs are compromised. I can be in the in the uh, vicinity of a smoker and I'll start coughing. I know who the smokers are when I come to pray for you. I rest my case. Do you smoke? <laughs> Isn't it great how the Lord provides? That was perfect. Well done. Right on cue. Here's that 20 bucks. <laughs> so I put it to you, break the habit of negative habitual thinking. Share that with me. Break the habit of negative habitual thinking. And we wallow in the mud, don't we? Do we? Yes. We wallow in, oh, that's where I feel safe. Rubbish. It's not right. We need control, alt, delete. We need to think about those memories or those people 
all those organisations who've hurt you and to say, no, that's enough. I'm not going to allow you. I'm not going to allow my brain to go to that place. I meet people every day who have been tormented by somebody who's died, who could be in prison, and they still have power over them. I think the most extraordinary story I ever heard was I was writing my book after the trauma of the battle begins, a book for combat veterans primarily. It's a book on trauma. And I was writing one of the chapters called Children of the Holocaust. When I was 16, my parents ran a home for Polish concentration camp victims. At 16-year-old, I got to talk with people with numbers on their arms. I heard about man's inhumanity to man. I heard about the real grief and torture of man's inhumanity to man. I knew at 16 what people did to each other. It was heartbreaking. I knew. I knew that pain. Christ came to set the captives free. So I was writing this chapter and I wanted to get that right. Jane, a friend of mine who's a very savvy, tough cookie, Jewish, New York psychotherapist. You don't mess with Jane. G.I. Jane. (laughs) She wasn't a G.I. but she may well have been. Tough lady. She had lost most of her family in the Holocaust. And I'm talking with Jane probably three or four times to get that short chapter right. I wanted to get it right. I didn't want to offend anybody of Jewish faith reading my book. So we had a chat every week. I'd write it. I'd rewrite it. I'd listen to her. I'd adjust it accordingly. And then one time I was talking to Jane and the phone was dead. Jane, are you there? Hello, Jane. Hello. Hello. Nigel, she said. I said, oh, I'm glad you're there. She said, I've just realized Hitler has power over me. I've just realized? That hit me between the eyes. I've just realized? She's a New York psychotherapist. She's in the biz. You know? I've just realized. And that really shook me. The first, I nearly said, well, you know, we've got to forgive. The Lord's Prayer says she's Jewish. You know, the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Why should I? And then I thought, I'm not going to go there. Thank God you stopped me. How do we forgive the devil? Are we supposed to forgive the devil? Tough one. But those words pierced my soul. I've just realized Hitler has power over me. At the time, he'd been dead 65 years. And it really made me think. And I think of the power of the perpetrator. I know I'm probably talking to about 95, 96% of you who've been hurt by somebody in your life, physically, emotionally, sexually. I know you've been hurt generationally. We'll be talking about that later, of how the generational issues come down through the families. And I want you to think about that person or that organization. Could even be the church. Could even be the rapist. I want you to think about that person who has power over you and declare that power null and void. I don't want anybody to have power over me except Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Who do you need to set free? Not the perpetrator, you. Be set free because Jesus came to set the captives free, didn't he? Think about that. Isn't that lovely? Give me a smile. This is smiling stuff, you know. Just smile louder. 
Smile much louder. I want to hear you smiling. There you go. Well done. Well done. Jesus came to set the captives free. Think about that. So what do we do? Well, the first thing we can do, I need two volunteers. Would you like to volunteer? Thank you very much. If you'd like to stand there facing that way, and I need another volunteer. Would you like to volunteer? <laughs> you almost rolled your eyes, but you didn't. Well done. You all, didn't you? Did you confess? You almost did, but well done. Okay, I want you to face each other. That's right. Well done. Okay. Now, I want you to imagine. Do you know this guy? Nope. Oh, good. Do you know her? No, good. That helps. Okay. Your phone's off, right? You're not filming this. No? Oh, this is off. Okay, good. <laughs> I want you to imagine that this man's hurt you. Right. Look at him. Make the face that you almost made me. <laughs> okay. He's hurt you. I want you to imagine you. Okay. And you're feeling that. What are you feeling right now? What emotions are you feeling? If any. Actually, nothing. Nothing. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. What emotions are you feeling now? No, no. <laughs> well, that I know. <laughs> no, no, no. So here's the point. When somebody hurts us, what we do is to invite Christ to stand in the gap. Okay? So you can't see him. Can you see him now? No. <laughs> Christ will do that too. You know, he can, he'll do that. Can you do that? <laughs> Christ will stop you. You see, he'll be a filter, filtering your emotions, your anger, your rage, your disappointment, filtering that. Okay? And likewise, in this case, you didn't even know that she's hurt you, you know? And you're walking around completely oblivious. Or you know you're guilty. In this case, this is, we're just play acting, you understand. Yeah. So, and you can do the same thing. Perhaps you're feeling guilty because you did hurt her and you can put Christ between the two of you. Okay? And then when you're ready, you see what I'm saying? We're seeking first the kingdom of God. Right? We're not allowing the perpetrator to get in the way. We're putting Christ in the gap. Get it? Yeah, some of you are looking at me like, whoa, like this. Just want to make sure you're understanding me. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Am I speaking too fast? No, no, good. Okay. So when you're ready, you can allow Christ to see through him like a filter and then step out of the way. Yeah? And then you can look at that person through Jesus Christ. And sometimes, sometimes in life you don't have to see the person, talk to the person ever again. Or sometimes in life something nice might happen, which would be what? What would you do now? And this little bit of play acting. What might you do a little bit? Well, well done, what might you do? <laughs> well done, give her a round of applause. <laughs> well done. I'm not making light of this, but I just want to remind you that we're not alone. I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. Yeah? And we forget. I'm a priest, I forget. I forget to pray. When I'm driving and somebody goes the right turn on red, I pray a lot. When I first came to this country, I gave them the English universal symbol, which I won't share, but it's this, the other way around. And then I learned about the American symbol, which I won't do. But now, I bless that person. Thank you, you idiot. In a very nice tone, you see. I am not allowing him to have power over me, right? You put, you know, you can blood boarding you really got you know. <laughs> and when you do this you're letting yourself go even if you're one inch up his backside and he slams on the brakes don't you love that they pull out in front of you and then they slam on their brakes that's just that's it isn't it that's a, whoa, you know good lord 
makes me crazy. <laughs> but I think, you know, we forget that Christ is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great physician, and the lover of souls. So that person who's upset you is also loved. And here's the thing, write this down. I'm going to say it out loud and then I'll repeat it a couple of times. Will you forgive me for the anger and rage I've had against you for the pain you've caused me? I'll say it again. Will you forgive me for the anger and rage I've had against you for the pain you've caused me? I'll say it again. Will you forgive me for the anger and rage I've had against you for the pain you've caused me? That prayer can set anybody free from the grave, from the prison, from your neighbor. You don't actually have to say it to them, but say it in your prayer. Have you all got that? Will you forgive me for the anger and rage I've had against you for the pain you've caused me? What you're doing is disconnecting from that person. You're breaking the chain of thought. You're taking captive that thought to be set free. We demolish arguments, every pretension, affectation, presentiousness, posing, posturing, pretense, self-important, airs. We're letting you go. Okay. There's a great story about um, a man who was at a fairground and he saw an elephant chained to a stake in the ground and he's looking at the elephant he's looking at the chain and he realizes the chain is quite thin and he realizes that that's a big elephant he realizes that elephant could break the chain quite easily with just the movement of his back leg so he goes up to the trainer he says excuse me that's a big elephant but that's a small chain that can't possibly hold him he said no it can't but that memory that elephant has a memory that's the same chain that the baby elephant was chained to. He knows it won't break. He's an adult ad ad elephant, but he thinks he can't break that chain. I put it to you. Do we fall into that category as adults? My sisters and I would make faces in the back of the car. My mother would say, if the wind changes, your face will stay that way. My mum said, look at the dirt on the back of your collar. How do you do that? <laughs> you know those sayings? And sayings that your mother told you and you're telling your kids, yeah? It's funny that. Give me, one, give me some examples of those. There you go. There you go. I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. Classic, isn't it? Yeah. Have you said that to your kids? You have. Isn't that funny, you see? Generational healing. Here we go, you see. Good segue for the next talk. Any others? Yes, this is going to hurt me more than I hurt you as they wallop you. Yes. Good one. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes. 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 And that's a great one. Yes. Okay, Mum, so you're going to murder me. Okay, no worries. Yeah, yeah. If we knew that as children, it wouldn't be great to be able to say that, you know. Beautiful, well done. Any others? This is great. Any others? Yes. 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 I've got eyes in the back of my head. Yeah, good one. Can you just check, make sure she doesn't have eyes in the back of her head? What have you done with passion? What have you done? 
Oh, we tremble, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We think about that stuff that we perpetuate. It's more, more generational healing, but we think about those things that we can fall into that trap to think about what's true and what is a lie. To allow that perpetrator to ruin our lives. Yeah. Healing of memories. So, what do we do in healing of memories? We take captive the thought. What I like to think about this is one of a DVD, okay? That we have DVDs in our head, thousands of them. Um, I'm a visual person, so this is what I see. I see a DVD of a certain memory. I see that in prayer we take that DVD out. I see Jesus holding the DVD in his hand and healing that memory. He doesn't erase it. There are scientists working in the area of post-traumatic stress to erase certain memories. Not sure if I agree with that. It would help a lot of people. But is that ethical? I don't know. Something to think about. It might give people calm, those who are extremely stressed with post-traumatic stress. But when we take a memory and we take it captive, what we do, we remove it and then we replay that memory. We replay that memory in a safe place. Very safe place. So what do we do? We tell the story. Sarah mentioned the story. It's very important. We all have a story. And to be able to listen to somebody's story until that story has been told and understood is so important. In 25 years of ministry, I've heard thousands of stories. And I think the most profound one was from a chap who was at Pearl Harbor who told his story and had never told the story before. We were all in tears. Were you there for that one, Bishop? Yeah. Amazing stories we've heard. The combat veterans of shame and distrust and terror. Memories that haunt, plague, interfere. And the fascinating thing about a memory is that we can be triggered. And when we're triggered, I, I tell you, after a year of combat, I was triggered once when a car backfired. I hit the deck, was lying in the gutter as if I had a rifle in my hand. My mum wept. People around me laughed. <laughs> What's she doing? But if I'd done that a week before, I wouldn't be there. So the fight-flight mechanism, fight-flight mechanism on post-traumatic stress is kicked in. Do you know that 400% more blood goes to your muscles for fight-flight? So when that memory comes to mind, we sweat, we get anxious, we want to fight or we want to run away. Any, any Monty Python fans here? I love Monty Python, you know, run away, run away, yes, okay. We don't really have to do that as Christians. There are times when we do that. As a Marine, we would never do that. We'd walk slowly, <laughs> facing the enemy, backwards. <laughs> so we take that memory captive. We describe the memory. And here's the beauty of inner healing. Having told the story, we invite Christ into the memory. As I've said earlier, he's with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you. He was there when you were raped. He was there when your child was killed by a drunk driver. He was there when you were publicly shamed. He was there when you were physically hurt, emotionally hurt. He was there when you were rejected. He's majored in rejection. That was the biggest thing I had to work with with the clergy retreat we did recently. Horrific rejection. 
in every one of the cases of the 12 clergy who came, every single one was suffering from the Judas quotient, as I would call it. That Judas, sadly, is very much alive in the church today. And we need to say, no, stop it. And we think about that and we can align ourselves with Christ in the areas of rejection. He was rejected unto death. Let's allow the Christ to help us to heal in those areas. Taking captive every thought. And I tell you, in Lent, I really find it quite powerful to remember what happened when Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus. And how many of us have been betrayed. And to know that if you've been betrayed, you're in good company. You're in good company because Christ has been there before. And I believe that it makes us see the Lenten story, the Passion story, far more powerful. I really believe that. It makes me realize Christ was rejected. Christ was hurt until death. That we might live and have life abundant. Brilliant. <laughs> well done that side. You're a bit quicker than that side. But yeah, that we need to know that. That Christ died that we might have life and life abundant. Taking captive every thought. The memory has power over us. The perpetrator has power over us. The memory can still lead our life and cause us stress and harm towards ourselves and others in reaction to that memory. The body remembers trauma. I have a, had a trach. There's still a scar. I wear a collar so it covers it up. There's only a small scar. I had a friend of mine, Beth. You remember Beth. She jokingly, she's a former FBI agent, and Beth very jokingly, I think I was still in a wheelchair, went to jokingly grab my throat. Don't do that to somebody who's been traumatized. <laughs> Nelly broke her arm. And it was so automatic. Like that. It was instant PTSD. Don't mess with my throat. Because that's life. Or death, as the case may be. So, memories are trapped. We replay that memory. They can be replayed at will whenever they want. Whenever buttons are pushed. Okay, the trigger in this issue. And here's the fascinating thing. <laughs> of course your family pushes your buttons. They installed them. <laughs> we know that, don't we? We know how to get it to each other. I know my sisters, I can get them easily. My brother's a piece of cake. Oh. I don't know why, but when I was dying, they were talking about putting a new liver, a kidney in me. And the doctor asked my brother if, if what blood type he was and is my kidney um, compatible. And he hit the roof. He was terribly upset about that. You know, so now if I mention kidneys, he goes ballistic. It's great fun, you know. <laughs> it's very wrong, but it's great fun, you know. <laughs> yeah. So healing is a process. As we look at those memories that plague... Haunt, fester, infect, preoccupy, trouble, disturb, irritate, aggravate, taint, contaminate, possess, obsess, fixate, become a nuisance, cause a danger, upset, worry, bother, concern, agitate, perturb, scare, soil, pollute, sadden, and memories that disappoint. Buttons that can be pushed ad nauseum. Am I making sense? Yeah. And we all suffer from this, don't we? Wouldn't it be nice if we don't? But we do. Therefore, it's a process. We take these painful or traumatic memories, take them captive and make them obedient to, obedient to Christ. 
And some of those memories and mould us or guide us can be erroneously given on a baseline to live that some of our memories are, are erroneous. They're totally wrong. Think about that. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? Those words that our parents have said. So we take captive that. Psalm 119.30 I have chosen the way of truth I have set my heart on your laws. So the truth sets us free. John 8.32 Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The key is perhaps trying to find the truth to be set free from past issues that, train, uh, that uh, chain us to the past. It's really a revelation of the truth and a breaking of a habit of going to that negative place. So, in a prayer session, a safe place, we run the DVD under the leading of the Holy Spirit. The difference now is that we have the remote control and we can stop the DVD at any time. If the person, the supplicant, not the patient, the supplicant is upset, we can stop it and we can stop the session at any point. And we're replaying the memory and we're reframing the memory with Jesus present. And I've had some amazing stories where the Lord has shown up. There's one guy I shall never forget. He was a high-ranking officer in the um, U.S. Air Force. And he came to see me three years after 9-11 and he was a broken man. I'm a former drill instructor, you know, we, we, you know, stomach in, chest out, neck on the back of the collar, you know, we're pretty sharp, you know. And this guy, this, this high-ranking officer came to see me and he was walking like this. He, he came in like this. I couldn't believe it. And I almost said to him, stand up, man, what's the matter with you? And I thank God I didn't. He was carrying shame, anger, bitterness to the point where he couldn't function as an Air Force officer. Why? I heard his story. He was there at 9-11. He was there at the Pentagon. His job was to rescue people. And when he went out, there was nobody to rescue. Nobody. Not a single soul. They were all dead. So what did he do? He broke. After three years, he cracked up. He couldn't function. And his body physically was like this. A broken man. So he told his story. We prayed in a healing. We invited Christ into the memory and I remember it vividly because he was sitting in a chair, slouching like this. He turned to his left, he took his glasses off, and then he pulled back from the smell of the aviation fuel. He's wrinkling his nose, pulling back as far as he could. He tilted his chair backwards to try and get away from the memory of the burning remains of that airplane that crashed into the Pentagon. And then he turned and he smiled. And I said, do you see Jesus? He said, yes. I said, where is he? He said, he's on the bank overlooking the crash site. And he's weeping at man's inhumanity, he said. He saw Christ. And then an amazing thing happened. You know, it's very good to pray with your eyes open. Pray with your eyes open when you're ministering to somebody. It's very good to do that. My eyes were open, but I tell you what, here he was slumped in his chair and there was a click, 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 boom. He, all the burden, the burden is heavy, the yoke is light in Christ, yeah. The Lord lifted that burden off him and I saw a physical healing take place. Immediately, that man was set free from the trauma of the aviation fuel and the smell of burning flesh. Nobody to rescue. And the Lord took that burden off his shoulder. He left a high-ranking military official after that. 
There's another great story of a man who came to see me. He was an engineer. Any engineers amongst us? Oh dear, we'll pray for you, sir. <laughs> and another one. No, we love you guys, but engineers, you're tough to pray for, you know, because you're all up here. You know, we've got to sink it down into the heart of it. British engineers, ridiculous. Poor man. So this British engineer came to see me. He was suffering horrifically. His mum had died and his family had rejected him. And he was a broken man. His mum had died in the hospital. It was time to turn the machine off. He was the executor of his mother's will, and he had to sign it. And the family believed that she was going to be healed, that she was going to be resurrected. They believed she was going to live. But it was time. And he signed. They turned the machine off. She died. So I'm there with it. He told the story. He was standing. The bed was here. He was standing here. His sister was here. Various family members around. He told the story very vividly as the DVD was playing. And I said, can you see Jesus? No. Look around. No. Look out the window. No. Look out the door. No. His brain couldn't see Jesus. And I heard myself humming. <laughs> Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. So I said, I want you to see with your heart. Open the eyes of your heart. Immediately he saw Jesus. His sister at this point was on the floor in the fetal position, sobbing, and he saw Jesus ministering to his sister. He said his mum didn't need Jesus because she was already in heaven. Isn't that beautiful? She'd already been released to heaven. But Jesus was ministering to his sister and the biggest smile came on his face. And he realized how loved he was. That's inner healing. Bringing Christ into the memories. And I know Bishop Dave and I have seen many memories of combat veterans. I won't tell you stories because I don't want to traumatize you. Because they're horrific. But when you bring Christ into that memory, that captive is set free. From World War II, Korea, Afghanistan, Iraq and other places of conflict that we don't even know about. How extraordinary is that? See, this is not a dress rehearsal, is it? Is this a dress rehearsal? No! All right? So you think of all those issues and those concerns to know that Christ can heal that to set you free. So that's the key to inner healing. But here's the rub. God gave us free will, you see. He gave us free will. He gave us free will to love one another or to hurt one another. And he won't interfere. You think of, you know, uh, the Twin Towers. Why didn't God put up his hand and stop the airplanes coming in? Because we have free will. Why didn't God, this is the one I hear the most, why didn't God give the rapist a heart attack? I hear that a lot breaks my heart it really does so we need to know that Christ is there he's given us free will to love one another to hurt one another but he's given us free will to set the captives free I think one of the worst um, or most remarkable healings I've ever seen was a young man who at 18 had gone for a job interview in New York and was raped by the uh, interviewer and he was having major problems he would eliminate every 20 minutes. Excuse me for the graphics of this. 
But he, he just needed to get rid of it. And he'd been doing this for six years and he was wasting away. He was incredibly thin. He was broken. Full of shame. Full of fear. Full of anxiety. He showed me, when he came to see me in Connecticut, a map of Connecticut with every single public bathroom on all the streets. All the McDonald's were marked so he knew where he could go. He planned his trip. We're going to stop, by the way, at 4.30. If anybody needs to... Do we need to take a 10-minute break? Anybody need to go wee-wee or anything like that? (laughs) Talking of memories. (laughs) This is a great story of a little boy and his mum. He says, Mummy, can I go wee? And Mummy says, yes, dear. And he goes, wee! <laughs> All the way home. Um, <laughs> where was I? I totally forgot what I was talking about. I'm going to the bathroom. Oh, yes, yes. So, gosh, this poor guy. I mean, he was absolutely broken. Filled with shame, of course. Shame-based memories can really break people. In this case, I gave him a big stick. To reframe the memory, we invited Christ into the memory. He saw Christ in the memory. But what I did was something a bit different, and maybe psychologists and psychiatrists might disagree with this. But he needed to get rid of his anger. So we went outside and we found a tree. And I gave him a big stick and he beat the living daylights out of that tree and screamed bloody murder. I'm surprised the neighbors didn't call the police, quite frankly. It was gut-wrenching to see him emote and get rid of all that anger and the shame and the bitterness. He just exploded with rage. Poor chap. The next day I have to share, I honestly thought that tree would be dead. (laughs) You remember when Jesus found the fig tree and there was no fruit on it? The next day it was dead. But the tree thrived, it was fine. And so was he. At that moment of letting go of the emotions... He was able to put to rest that memory. Now that's very extreme. I don't recommend that you go around beating the heck out of a tree. But in this case it helped him. He needed to emote. He needed to get rid of it in a safe place. The Bible says something about being slaves to memory. Are we a slave to memory? Are we enslaved? Has somebody enslaved us? Is there an area in our life that we need to be set free? And I'll talk about that in generational healing too. To think about where the Lord has kept you captive. So I'll close with my shame story that set me free. Of course, we can be subjected to a lifetime of tyranny at the hands of a perpetrator. You can carry on living your life, allowing that person to wreck your life. Or sometimes we can do what's called critical incident debriefing, where if you're lucky enough, after the trauma, you can immediately receive help to debrief. That's been helping the veterans a lot in combat situations. But to knowing God can heal that memory is very critical in our lives. And I'll tell you a shame-based memory that horrified me for all my life until the moment I'd just been speaking to 51 Roman Catholic psychotherapists. The Association of Christian Therapists, I was the only non-Catholic there and the only non-therapist there and I was the speaker for three days. I got thoroughly analysed. 51 reports of what's right with me. Thank you, Jesus. 
I spoke standing in the gap as we had Christ standing in the gap. I spoke standing in the gap for civilian therapists working with combat veterans. Combat vets say, I won't talk to somebody who wasn't in, who wasn't in the military because they don't understand. Yeah? They haven't been blown up. They haven't lost a friend in combat. How on earth would a civilian understand? So my job was to stand in the gap to create conversation in how the therapist could work with combat vets. And what an experience that was. It really was an incredible experience. We went through a plethora of conversation in how to help veterans. It was very much two-way. I learned a lot. I hope they learned a lot. What an experience it was. But at the end, on the third day, lovely how God works, on the third day, I was having lunch next to a friend of mine, Roman Catholic priest. He had invited me to be there, Father Larry Carew. Whenever I have a meal with him, he always makes me sit on the right of the Father. <laughs> anyway, I was sitting on the right of the Father. We were having lunch. There were ten therapists, Roman Catholic therapists, sitting around this round table. And I will never forget that situation because I had a flashback. I hadn't had a flashback in years. I was suddenly back in the streets of combat when my friend had got shot. I was tailing Charlie. I was walking backwards with my rifle. I'm left-handed, so I was on the on the left side of the street and I turned just as my friend got shot and I never told anybody this story because I was so ashamed of my reaction to this when you're on patrol the first thing you do is load your rifle take the safety catch off and hit the deck as fast as you can looking for a target waiting for target control target observation you're trained to shoot to kill or be killed and in this situation, I couldn't see a target. One shot had gone. My friend was down. He said, oh, I've been hit. That was the only noise he made. I looked. There was blood everywhere. Masses of blood. Masses. A big pool of blood bigger than this red carpet. And I'm sitting there looking for a target, thinking, what's it going to feel like? What's it going to feel like to get a bullet in the eye? What's it going to feel like to get my left shoulder blown off? What's it going to feel like? Isn't that nice? <laughs> For whom the bell tolls. <laughs> Wait a minute. That was three, wasn't it? Was it four? I missed one. Did it ring four times? Oh, I only heard three. Oh dear, okay. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm lying there, flashing back, remembering what had happened vividly. Father Larry knew that I'd had a flashback. Luckily, he didn't interrupt. He knew I was having an ab reaction, as it's called. Again, the blood, 400% more blood to the muscles. And then I saw Jesus. What got me was that there were four kids who were kicking his blood around, swearing and saying stuff that really annoyed me. I have a loaded rifle. And I, the shame base was that I wanted to shoot these unarmed teenagers because I was angry. That's my friend's blood. How dare you do that? Righteous indignation. And I confessed that. Because I was furious. And then I saw Jesus. And by the way, I'd never told anybody, I never told my therapist this, because I suffered terribly from post-traumatic stress. That's why I wrote that book. I never told a soul, I never told my wife, I never told anybody, because I was so ashamed that I wanted to kill these kids, kicking the blood around of my friend. And then I saw Jesus standing. I was looking across the 
the road and there was Jesus on the other side of the kids with his arms out like this staring at me and he said to me it's time you forgave these kids it's time and then he said to them you know children that's my blood he's kicking around stop it and that was the moment I was healed because I knew Jesus was there I'd been back to that site I went back before I had that healing I'd been there I revisited that place and I threw up because the memory had so much power over me I vomited right there but the Lord set me free I can talk to you about this without sweating without reliving it knowing that Christ was there that's the essence of healing of memories does that make sense? yeah Jesus came to set the captives free what I'd like to do is to pray we've covered some serious stuff I want you to know that there are six words in this life that can change your life profoundly those six words are how may I pray for you that could change your life and change somebody else's life think about it you're pushing your shopping cart there's George 16 years old putting stuff in he looks booming miserable because he probably is blooming miserable hi George thank you for doing that here's five bucks oh thank you how may I pray for you six words can totally change your life or somebody else's life I just plant that seed you will have a moment in the next three four weeks you will know when God is nudging you use those how may I pray for you it's beautiful that we can do that to help other people you know who am I to pray for somebody nobody who are you to pray for somebody nobody but Christ you're being an ambassador of Jesus Christ I've prayed for 25 years every day Lord let my hands be your hands okay it's actually what I'd like to do come to think of it I'd like to demonstrate it I believe in EDI we explain it we demonstrate it we imitate it okay has anybody got a searing memory an honest searing memory that you're willing to share to be set free right now I'd like to demonstrate it anybody have the courage to come forward yes sir come forward is there a chair well I need I need two chairs can we set up two chairs and a mic would that be right? thank you just talk amongst yourselves quietly while we do this what's your name Raymond. Raymond thank you Raymond well done well done for coming forward Actually, why don't you just sit down here, Raymond? Have a seat. And we need a mic. Don't know. Can you see Raymond from here? Can we have a mic? Thank you. We'll give Raymond a round of applause for coming forward. Well done. Ah, oh, here's a chair. Have a seat. And here's a bank. How lovely. There we go. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And give him that, please. Thank you. So, Raymond, I would start the, the words, How may I pray for you? But before you respond, what I'd like to do is to take a memory that you've had and to share that memory. Okay? Where somebody's hurt you, you've got the gist of what I'm talking about. I'd like to hear your story and pray into that. Okay, so uh, for, uh, uh, for probably the first uh, 12, 13 years of my life, I uh, 
like I was bullied a lot by kids at school. I uh, I had like I didn't realize what problems I had until I was diagnosed at 11. I have uh, Asperger syndrome. It's uh, basically the the kindest form of autism spectrum you could have. Mm, the kindest and, form. Yeah, the kindest. I've never heard but, it put that it way. Still, uh, yeah. It was still horrible. I didn't realize yeah. until then. Yeah. And uh, there are kids that told me that I would never amount to anything. Mm. That I would just that I would always be a wimp. That I'd always be a whiner. And, uh, and that uh, God had no place for me. And, it, and while I've tried to rise above it, I, uh, I still sometimes hear those words. And it prevents me from uh, getting out more, from experiencing new things and making new friends. Mm-hmm. Was, there an, <clears throat> was there a certain incident that comes to mind that you really remember along those lines? Um, uh, probably when... Uh, Probably the the main time when uh, I was in fifth grade and uh, the main guy, uh, uh, Jack, uh, and okay. then the let other me just stop you I right now. His name up. Okay, hang on. Let me just stop you. Would you close your eyes, okay, and just relax? There we go. I can see you're getting tense, okay, which is normal, Raymond. Okay, <laughs> so just tell the story, okay, quietly and gently. Okay, so uh, so uh, Jack and the other guys, they. Uh, they gathered around me while I was uh, eating lunch, and uh, and they were telling me that uh, that everything I did was wrong, that I would uh, I would never be uh, successful. I would always uh, live in my parents' shadows, and uh, and that I would never like get a girlfriend or find the right person. And uh, I I don't even know how I didn't just uh, hit them in the face right there. I'm glad I didn't now because mm-hmm. yeah but, okay. uh, so let me just pause the button keep your eyes closed okay we're just going to freeze frame that memory so describe where you are if you would like where I'm now or yeah no where you were when that happened I was in the uh, elementary school uh, piv- lunch pavilion mm-hmm. I was at the uh, the second table over to the left uh, I was on the the back part of it that uh, faced the playground and looked out to my uh, classroom and the other guys were across from me. Keeping your eyes closed. So what you just said is an incredible painting, an incredible memory. I'm hearing people saying, wow, that you remember it with that much detail. And that tells me of the raw pain, Raymond, that you went through at that moment. Incredible stress, incredible haunting, incredible pain of trapped by cruelty of people the same age as you, and it's cruelty, we know what it is. So keeping your eyes closed, Raymond, I'd like you to look around for Christ in that vivid memory that you have. Just take your time and look around for Jesus. He's right next to the main bully, telling telling him to stop, and uh, and looking over to me, telling me uh, that his words aren't true and the other kids' words aren't true. Wow, that's beautiful. Is the Lord looking at you now, Rima? Yes. Yeah. Is he saying anything else to you? He's saying that. Uh, this, will, this event won't limit you anymore. Mm. You can live your life the way, uh, the way I'm calling you to live it. Yes. It's beautiful. 
He was smiling. <laughs> he was smiling, Raymond. See, Jesus came to set the captives free. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for saying the kindest form of autism on the spectrum. I'd never thought of it that way. But what you've done is just invited Christ into that memory. It's beautiful. Now I want you to know Romans 8.1. Romans 8.1, you love Jesus? Yes. How much do you love Jesus? A whole lot. A whole lot, that's beautiful. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, there's no condemnation. I want you to open your eyes. I want to tell you the story. There's a chap called Sir Winston Churchill. Are you familiar with Winston Churchill? Yes. When he was seven years old, his teacher said, Churchill, you are useless and you will amount to nothing. Look what happened to him. He became the greatest statesman in the whole wide world, Mm -hmm. didn't he? An awesome man. My dad met Churchill when my father was 12 years old. He met him and shook hands with him during the war. So now that memory has no power over you. And I'm sorry, as as standing in the gap and standing as one of those guys, I'm terribly sorry, Raymond, Raymond, for what they did to you. I'm very familiar with bullying. I joined the Marines. Nobody bullied me again. (laughs) I lie. One person did, but I won't share who that was. He wasn't the uh, instructor from Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> no, I knocked him out. <laughs> He's suffering with a very bad black eye, but no, no, no. <laughs> no. So, how do you feel right now? I feel a lot better. Mm. Uh, I kind of feel like I'm on clouds. Mm. Uh, mm. I, wow, it's like, I, uh, it's like I just feel like God over me and, uh, mm. and he's... Uh, speaking the words to me again and he's uh, giving me a glass of cream soda. Very nice. All right. Okay. I hope we have cream soda for dinner somewhere. So. Isn't, that, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that lovely? And you look completely different. You look radiant. And you know what? I mean, you took, courage, you took the courage to come forward to know that you had a memory that had been haunting you and those kids have no power over you anymore. What would you say to them now? Do you know them still? Uh, a few of them. Hmm. What would you say to them now? I'd say, uh, I forgive you. I know you had your uh, troubles too. Yes. And, uh, and I shouldn't blame you for what you did yes. because you didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. There we go. Beautiful. Give them a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Well done. So that, ladies and gentlemen is inner healing and that that was beautiful isn't it you know you get a memory I mean that really was lovely I mean gosh you never know what's going to happen but the Lord has set you free so Raymond when you if you ever go back to that place now you'll see Jesus standing right there you'll see that that's the reframed memory beautiful okay what I'd like you to do is to turn to your neighbour for five minutes and then five minutes to the other neighbour okay in pairs and those six words, how may I pray for you? Okay? If there's a memory that haunts you, do what we just did. We explain it, you demonstrate it, you imitate it. And by 4.30 we will be breaking, or 4.25 actually, we'll break. <laughs> <laughs>